Amen. That's the testimony of every born again son and daughter of God, isn't it? We have been blessed. Of all peoples on the face of the earth, we are a blessed people. I want to thank the sisters for that song uh, this evening. Um, I know Sister Jessica and Brother Timothy, her husband, were just in Africa. They took their spring break, took their holidays and went to Uganda and Ethiopia. Not a place I'd recommend to take holidays in. But uh, they went there and, and uh, you know, I... I want to just say, as our sister Jessica sang, I heard back from the believers in Ethiopia what a testimony it was to see a sister who had been in the message for many years from North America, the way she handled herself, the way she attired herself. They were blessed just to watch you, sister Jessica. And so God bless you for that. I appreciate the testimony, living testimony. Amen. And, and often we don't give enough credit to our sisters. For their sacrifice in this day and age, I know my wife, my daughter, it's not easy to find clothes in this day and age that, uh, to use the Pentecostal pastor's phrase, is a place that a Christian young lady should go, <laughs> as far as clothing goes. And uh, uh, But God bless all of you sisters for your sacrifice, for the clothes that you wear, the clothes that you make, the example that you live in this day and age. It is an example in an ungodly generation. Amen. Let's stand together. Take our Bibles and turn to the book of Deuteronomy. If you have your Bibles with you, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Amen. Let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Wonderful Heavenly Father. My Father. Our Father. We're so thankful that we can call you Father. That alone is a revelation. That you have deposited it within our lives. Lord, we look to you tonight for your wisdom and your direction in this service. We know that you're present, but we don't want you to sit as we have heard in the Scripture as Jesus with dirty feet. We come to wash your feet. We come to do you a service, Lord. We come to carry out your will. We come that you might have the preeminence. Lord, our conversation is not important. Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. And so, Lord, we want to get ourselves out of the way and say, Lord, speak to us tonight. May you unfold once again the context of your holy word. And, Lord, you know every thought. You know every situation. There is no secret in this place from you. Just a word inspired by you, spoken in due season, would change the trajectory of a life. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you and ask, Father, that you'll now just bless this order of the service. Might be a little bit different service, but we invite you, Lord, to just take complete control. We give ourselves to you in the reading of the book and in the speaking of it. For your glory, we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 
Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall you observe to do, and that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger. I want you to notice that statement, and suffered thee to hunger. It kind of became the theme of the trip in Uganda, as the Lord kept taking us back to this thought. And suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Amen. The Lord add his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Amen. As I said, this kind of these scriptures became the theme and a recurring theme amongst the services in Uganda as we were just there. And and uh, uh, I kind of touched on it before I left in the last service that I preached. But, you know, how that God allows hunger for a purpose and how that they might in order that Israel might know that by God alone are they alive. That man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it's not to that they might understand, you know, how to take money and how to have economics and how to build trade and with the nearest nation and how to buy food and 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 different things like Jesus feeding the five thousand. You know, they didn't really catch the revelation of what was taking place in their midst as, as they left Jesus. And Jesus himself said to them, he says, you didn't follow me because of the word. You followed me because you were fed. You followed because of some natural food. But God alone is the giver of life. It's not science. It's not Western culture. It's not money. It's not Hollywood. It's not your wisdom. It's not my wisdom. It's not our human understanding. God is the giver of life. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And as we were in Uganda, uh, visiting in Uganda, ministering in Uganda, and doing some labors there, uh, the awakening that is taking place in that country and continues on, as you'll hear, is amongst a people that for the most part considered themselves Christians. They were denominational people, whether it be Pentecostal, Baptists, those two, um, we'll say brands for the most part. But though they were, they had churches, they worshiped, they sang songs, maybe some of the songs which we sing also, but they were dying for a lack of food. The very fact that they would come great distances at what to them is great expense, showed the famine that is in the land. 
As the book of Amos says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And that was what that we definitely found, have found amongst the people is that they are, they are realizing how starving and a starving person is a weak person. How starving and how weak they were. And, and we went to Uganda and heard many, many testimonies and saw many things. And, and I'm not going to belabor the missions report tonight because I want to dwell on this thought. But, and you've heard a lot of missions report. Brother Fred was just here. Brother Fred Chienji. How many enjoyed Brother Fred Chienji? Amen. He just connects with the people. And you can see how God has molded a man for a specific purpose to reach out. And, and I just got a note from him yesterday. He says there's a, there's a Pentecostal pastor now in South Africa that wants to be baptized. And so, you know, it's branching out from Uganda into other areas. And so we praise God for that. But God raises up specific individuals, and I guess if I can say what I'm going to talk about tonight is that uh, as I'm going to have Brother Jonathan, who was with me, and Brother Michael, who was with me, come up and say just a few words. And uh, But they saw things, and they heard things, and I want you to hear it from their perspective. But as we heard this morning, the church is the people. It's the people that you meet, the lives that you come in contact with, the testimonies that you hear, the realities of God in the lives of individuals. And so before I get wound up, I better call these brothers up because uh, otherwise I'll forget about them like I did so often in Uganda. Oftentimes I would be asked to introduce them and I would get to preaching and forget all about them in the service. And uh, so who wants to go first? Did you agree? Nobody agreed. Okay, Michael, you're out the front. Why don't you come up first? Amen. You've got five minutes starting now. <laughs> I just want to say that speak very clear and loud. Amen. Communicate with them. around, so I got five minutes. All right. Good evening, everyone. Um, I kind of want to start with a scripture, if that's okay. Brother Tim told me not to preach, but I have to start with a scripture. So. Uh, Isaiah 43.10 says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant, who I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am God. Uh, I am he, and before thee there is no God former, neither shall there be any after me. So. Just starting out, um, trip to Uganda. Um, I'm a witness of what God's doing. <clears throat> starting out day one, um, we had a minister's meeting. Brother Tim was um, giving him, <laughs> preaching the word. And um, it was, I think it was about uh, 200 and 350 um, people at the first minister's meeting. And... Um, um, Brother Tim started ministering, and um, I just—he was just preaching to, the word to them. And we know when God starts something, um, anything of God, when God creates something uh, like the revival, it continues on. It, can, it has life in it, and I believe that Brother Tim was preaching that 
to them. Um, um, I'm just going to talk about a few things that, for me, God did, I guess. <laughs> um, so, um, Brother Tim had said a couple things. Um, sorry, I'm just a little nervous. <laughs> Um, so there was lots of ministers, and as he was ministering, um, the people were just very entering in. And at one point, um, I was just videoing, and uh, they were kind of watching me like this white guy is here videoing us. And um, and I kind of just like, well, they're paying attention to me. So I just put the camera down. I just started clapping. And um, I think since a lot of them were watching me, it just allowed them to enter in a little bit. A little bit better. Um, just a simple thought, I guess. Um, Brother Tim invited a lot. Uh, Brother Tim invited them to go to um, Brother Stephen and Bali's church. And as we got there, I was impacted by how many people came. There was like 2,000 people. I think Brother Fred already told you. Um, and Brother Tim preached, and 150 people got baptized. And it was it was amazing to see the word and the impact of people's lives. Um, the brothers, Stephen, Elijah, Brother Fred, Brother Rogers, we got to meet these people, real men of God. They're, they, they just love the Lord with all their hearts. Um, Brother Elijah took us around a little bit. We got to meet some of the ministry, even away from Brother Tim, they kind of separated us for a while. And we got to meet some of the ministry. We didn't get to meet many of the congregations too much. But we got to meet ministry, and we are witnesses that God is moving in Uganda amongst the ministry. And um, also, I am also, also a witness of what we are doing there as far as supporting the work. I got to see the churches being constructed. It was pretty amazing to hear um, how they are being built and the parcels of ground and these things. I think Brother Tim might even mention some of that to you soon. But um, I'm just here just to say that God is moving. And um, also, uh, Brother Fred was being interviewed. And he says, there was, Brother Tim asked him, what, what do the people of Uganda need? And it was, of course, they need the translations. Um, Shelters. They just have simple shelters, um, just some sticks kind of holding up some tarps and things. Um, and um, it, it humbles you to be there and to see them and, and their, what the little they have, and they're happy, right? So we can take that and allow um, – aren't you all comfortable tonight? <laughs> um, um, the locations um, – Shelters, translations are just things that they need in Uganda. And I just want to thank you for the opportunity just to let you know that there's God, God's moving to Uganda. And um, thank you. God bless you. Amen. Brother Jonathan is next. I did tell them no preaching, no pictures. Because then I thought if I allow them either one of those, they're going to go over five minutes. So you forgive them for being short tonight. It's my fault. God bless you. Amen. 
Well, we went to Uganda. Uh, this was my second trip, actually. I went six years ago with the school back in 2013. So it was a little bit of a different experience for me this time, having already seen and knowing what to expect. Mike didn't really know what to expect, even though I tried to mentally prepare him. He was not mentally prepared at all. Um, but it was just very interesting because I felt like I was exposed to more. When I was with the school, you're with a group, you're comfortable with all your friends around you. I didn't really have that luxury this time. Not that Mike is my friend, but um, I was just was able to see more of the believers and, and just the spiritual needs as Brother Tim was focusing on on that trip. And one thing that really stuck out to me was actually a statement Brother Tim said before we left, and that was, these new believers, thousands and thousands of new believers, don't understand the authority of which Brother Branham spoke fully. They don't understand the statement Brother Branham said. And so he told us, you know, when you are conversing with these brothers and sisters to go off the scripture, don't go off of what Brother Branham said, because most of these people don't understand who Brother Branham truly was. And so that really hit me actually quite deep going into this trip because I'm sitting here thinking all they've ever heard is Brother Branham on the radio broadcast, and yet they've accepted what they're hearing. They don't have a clue who Brother Branham is, yet they're accepting what they're hearing, and that's nothing other than God. That's not a man. That's them accepting the truth of what they're hearing on the radio broadcast. And I thought it was interesting because these people are coming from denominational realm, just like those in the synagogue when Jesus, in the book of Luke chapter 4, Jesus went into the synagogue and he read from the book of Isaiah. And the men asked him, is this not Joseph's son? They didn't recognize who Jesus was. Yet these people in denominations who have been grown up in the denominational realms, pastors and preachers, half of them don't even have Bibles, recognized who the voice was, and it wasn't Brother Branham. It was the voice of God. And so I thought that was probably one of the biggest impacts that it, this trip had on me was that these people are just so simple. They just accept what they've heard. They've taken it, and they're asking for more. They want more. They want books. The biggest question was, when can we get more books? When can we get more church-age books? And um, that we, we focused on the needs of the people, the spiritual needs of the people, and um, it's spiritual food is what they need. It's not uh, natural needs. They have natural needs, but their their biggest concern is spiritual needs. Um, I do want to thank Brother Tim for giving me the, the opportunity to go on this trip. It kind of came uh, last minute for me. Um, it was kind of a miracle how it happened. I It was about a month before the trip. I just talked to Brother Tim. I said, you know, I'm kind of thinking about Uganda. What's your What's your plan? And and he's like, oh, we're leaving in like a month, or I'm planning to leave in a month. And I'm like, good grief, I have to ask for two weeks off in a month's notice? Like, it'll never happen. And um, I told Brother Tim, well, I'll talk to, you know, people at work, and that was on a Sunday. Wednesday rolled around, and Brother Tim texted me. He's like, I need, I need commitment from you brothers. And I'm like, I haven't even talked to anybody yet. And it's, you know, 7 in the evening, and I'm on my way to church. So... I called the one only person I knew that could give me an answer right away, and that was the owner of the company. I'm like, look, I said, the only reason I'm even calling you is because I said I would talk to somebody, and I haven't talked to anybody yet. I don't want to be a liar. So, um, 
I actually didn't think I was going to get time off, and so I already had in my mind, I'm just not going to go. It's just not going to work out this time. But the owner of the company, he says, you're thinking like a natural man, but what you're doing over there is eternal, and you need to start thinking more spiritual. He goes, don't let my business get in the way of what God is doing over there. You're going on that trip. And so he sent me on that trip. I didn't really have a choice after that. Um, so I just want to give God glory for that because had it not been for him granting me, you know, the time off to do that, I would never have been able to go on a trip and, and see. And it's a privilege to be able to travel with men of God. I've had the privilege to go with Brother Tom and now Brother Tim on trips like this. It's a privilege. It's a blessing to go with these men of God. And I think it impacts, you know, it's more than just a spiritual impact. It even impacts your just relationship with these brothers because you see them in some of their most vulnerable situations where they're just exhausted and tired. And um, and we have a lot of fun together even. Mike and I kind of gave Brother Tim a little bit of a hard time at times, but he was able to dish it right back to us. And so it's, it's just a good bonding time, but most of all, it was um, probably one of the best trips that, that I could say I've been on. It was just the most supernatural, just to see thousands and thousands of people coming in just off of hearing a voice. And it wasn't the voice of a man. They didn't come to hear Brother Tim. They're not coming to hear Brother Fred or Brother Stephen or even to hear Brother Branham. They're coming because they want this food that Brother Tim mentioned of. These people are starving. And that's what they're coming to hear. And so I just give God the glory for allowing me the opportunity. And and thank you, Brother Tim, for giving us the opportunity and putting up with us. So thank you. Oh, they weren't that bad. Good young men. Godly young men. Appreciate them both. And, uh, you know, we've got many fine young men in the church, and sometimes there's many over the course of the year that say, Brother Tim, I'd like to go on a trip with you. And so you just weigh it out and look to the Lord, and you have to find the mind of God of how to do it. And I think, by God's grace, we found his mind on this trip. You can go ahead and put the slides up now. Um, It was interesting There was different facets to this trip that were very interesting and maybe unusual is too strong of a word. The unusual is usual to the bride. And uh, uh, I, I actually, as I was preparing for this trip and had nothing to do with the brothers, as I was preparing for the trip, I, I was a little more nervous than usual. And I, I couldn't find out why. I couldn't figure out why praying and waiting on the Lord and... Just felt a little bit uneasy. And then at the last moment, I think it was while I was en route to Uganda. And I, I, I tried to take a day uh, in Europe to kind of acclimatize to the same time zone as Africa before I would take the second leg. And I met with the brothers in Amsterdam on the second day and we went together into Africa. But uh, I tried to uh, just as I was traveling, and I think I might even be in Europe, when I got an email from someone here... I don't know if he would want to be mentioned by name, but, uh, but who was praying for the trip. And he, and he wrote me, and this is what he wrote me, and it was very significant to me. He says, well, in prayer for you this morning, these words kept coming to me. Go in the power of this thy might. And I have looked through the online Bible search, and it does not appear to be there. 
And of course it is there, but he couldn't find it because of the words. And, and as soon as I read that, I know that's Gideon. Go in this, the power of your might. And, and so it says, perhaps I have heard it in the message somewhere. It seems so familiar. Anyway, I felt pressed to share it with you. And peradventure it is the Lord confirming that he goes before you in power and might. And so this brother didn't know, but of course the scripture of Gideon is very, uh, or not of course, but the scripture of Gideon is, and that particular scripture is, is very, um, meaningful to me. I'm a lot like Gideon in that I don't have a lot of confidence in myself. And so, uh, it's always meant something to me how God dealt with Gideon. And so as he wrote that to me, it just very, very, very much struck me. And we hit the ground running in uh, Uganda. We went from Ethiopia to Uganda. The flight into Uganda, the best route into Uganda, arrives uh, just before midnight in Uganda. And so uh, the meetings were scheduled to start within 12 hours of landing. And uh, uh, that was, as we mentioned, uh, as the brothers mentioned, the first meetings were with uh, ministers on the first day. These were Pentecostal ministers. And I found out afterwards that it was these meetings that my heart was so heavy for because as soon as these meetings were over, it was like all of the nervousness left me. So I can't even describe exactly why or what it was about these meetings, but there was something about them that God was doing and something about it that the devil was resisting. And But it was not just me. And I, I emphasized that email to say, it's all of you praying. That helped to break through. And, and we had tremendous meetings that day. You know, it's not just the minister on the field. Even if you look throughout history, many great men of God recount how there was men and women behind them praying for the meetings. And because of that, the meetings were a success. And so we, I just want to say that your prayers were effective. And, and God moved in a very great way. We took the services, had questions at the end of the second meeting, and um, a lot of questions from Pentecostal ministers won't go into uh, all of the questions, but they had questions, and we tried to answer them as best as I could from the Scriptures. At the On the second day, we went from the Kampala area into the more rural area, and now we're meeting with ministers, about 200 from mostly Baptists. The first day was mostly Pentecostal background. The second day was mostly Baptist background. And just to show how God operates through a minister, I took the exact same notes to both meetings. And the brothers can testify the services were completely different. You see, it's not the notes that you take, it's what God does during the service. And so the Lord just uh, led us in those meetings, and we thank God for His hand upon it. And at the end of that day, another full day of meetings, now with Baptist ministers, two meetings. And uh, uh, here is another slide of it. Oh, and uh, I see I have another slide. The trustees were saying, where's Brother Darren Hoffman? He's here somewhere. Maybe he's, he's, oh, there he is there. He was saying on Wednesday night, we want to improve our kitchen. Uh, here's the kitchen over there. And uh, so anything you sisters have here is better than what they have over there. Uh, and so that's the church kitchen over there in that church. So uh, don't take this as an example, Brother Darren. That's probably not a good idea. But the, at the end of the second day, we arrived 
at the hotel that we were going to spend most of the time. As I told the brothers, it's called, uh, it's called Mum's Resort Hotel. And I said, it's not a resort and it's barely a hotel, so don't get your hopes up. And, uh, so we spent a week there, but one thing that it had was air conditioning. And for that, we're thankful. And so, uh, we arrived there after, we hadn't even been on the ground for 48 hours. And we kind of took an inventory now. It's the evening time and, you know, it's the end of the second day and, and we hadn't even been on the ground for 48 hours yet. It seemed like we'd been there for a week. So much had been accomplished and so much of what God has done. And so, uh, so we were just right in the middle of it by the time two days had gone by. After those meetings, I sent the brothers out. They heard, uh, you heard them say, you know, we were separated from Brother Tim sometimes because I sent them out with some of the ministers there to go and take some video and picture inventory of some of the things, some of the sites and some of the needs that were there in the country, some of the things that had been done. These are uh, some tremendous, tremendous brothers. I will just point these brothers out to you. These are... These are pillars. These are more than pillars. These are jewels. These are uh, gold tried in the fire. You know, I can't take enough adjectives to describe these men. Beside Brother Jonathan there is Brother Emmanuel. And he kind of became their chauffeur for the first while. Just a wonderful brother. Uh, and uh, and then next to him is Brother... I think this is Brother Hannington, isn't it? Uh, have I got that right? Brother Hannington. And uh, he's one of the new brothers. He's only been in the message for a couple of years. And it's actually his church uh, that's behind there, which I'll describe in a moment. And uh, But just a real solid brother has been, has been the main brother through whom the door has been opened amongst the Baptists. And so God is really using him, just a real, real solid brother. Uh, next to him is Brother James. Brother James is Brother Stephen Abali's associate. He'd be like Brother Stephen's brother Tom. And uh, just a real wonderful brother. He's also a God-sent gift. He's actually an engineer. And he left his position as a city engineer in charge of all the engineering over a district to serve the Lord in associate ministry to Brother Stephen Abali. And uh, he, he could have had a lot. He could have been set up for life. Because in that type of position, it's not just your paycheck. It's all the, we'll call them gifts that people want to give you to get a piece of the action. And so, uh, uh, you know, but he left all that behind to serve the Lord. But he's an engineer and he's he's been a key man and he's going to be the key man going forward in some of these needs for shelters that the believers have. Next to him is Brother Sampson. I talked about him last year. This is the brother that was in the uh, uh, in the van, in the, the bus they call it. It's about a 15-passenger van that they use for buses there that the uh, the dump truck drove through and killed everybody except him. And God spared his life. He's a pastor there. Brother Sampson, just a real, real quality brother. Like I said, the testimony is these people. I could spend the whole service just talking about their lives individually. They're pastors of congregations. 50, 100, 200 people. I've been in their churches. I've preached for their people. They love the Word. They love the Word as much as you do. 
And they really know how to pull on the word. And so they're just a tremendous, tremendous. These are men that are jewels that any minister would be pleased to be associated with. And I'm pleased to be associated with these brothers. And this is uh, Brother Hannington's church, which uh, I agreed with Brother Stephen that we would help repair. The rains had come and the church had begun to cave in. One of the walls had collapsed. And I couldn't bear to see a whole church destroyed. And so for just about, I can't remember what it was, maybe a thousand dollars, maybe not much more than that. We helped them to repair the building so that it's a structure because it's kind of become a central place for the revival in that region. And we're very thankful to be able to help them in that regard. I wanted to show you this picture. You heard about this with Brother Fred. Brother Fred talked about uh his brother, the Catholic bishop, uh, who lent him his vehicle. And uh, I talked to his brother, the Catholic bishop, on the phone the other day and uh, thanked him for lending his vehicle to Brother Fred. And, and, uh, and he, was, he tried to get real straight with me. This man is, is a high up there bishop in the Catholic church in the Uganda, country of Uganda. There's a lot of Catholics there. And he said to me, he says, well, you know, he says, well, I'm going to have to take it back because Fred's not coming back to the church. And he was real stern. And I said, well, I says, I wouldn't be too upset about that because I said, Brother Fred is an original Catholic. And he, and then I paused for effect. I said, he baptizes the way Peter baptized. I said, that if Peter was the original Pope, then he's an original Catholic. <laughs> and the poor bishop didn't have anything to say about that. And, uh, and so he was, he knew I had him and, uh, he just kind of chuckled on the other end of the phone. And so, uh, this wasn't his vehicle, but this was another vehicle. This was, this one is very similar to what the brothers drive. And the reason I'm showing you this is because one of the things I'd never thought of in the revival of course, there's a great need for transportation, but especially for Brother Fred and Brother Stephen to get out into the countryside to these places where they're going to minister and to baptize people. It's impossible. Okay, I'm going fast. I know that. Slow down. It's impossible to bring all the people together. As a matter of fact, Brother Fred still wants me to get all the new believers together. And I said... Brother Mark, you'll appreciate this because you were there. I said, based on our experience so far, it takes about $3 to transport and feed a person for a day to come to meetings. That's not very much money, is it, Brother Mike? If you think of one person. But when you think of 30,000 people, now you're talking $90,000 for one day. Now... That's not including overnight accommodation if you want to have a two-day meeting. I just don't think that's an effective use of the Lord's money. I'm sorry. Great meetings. Big meetings are great. And uh, we appreciate they can have their purpose. I don't know that this is the hour of that. So there's a great need for these brothers to go into these regions and to be able to gather the people within a reasonable distance of where they live. And maybe have a, a, a group of a thousand in this place, another thousand over here, two thousand over there, and just kind of gather them together. And so in order to do that, they have to have a good vehicle. There was one vehicle, and that was Brother Stephen's vehicle, 
all the time that we were there that had air conditioning. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but that means a lot to me. When you're driving for hours in a vehicle without air conditioning, which means you have to keep the windows down on the dusty roads if you're a Canadian. And uh, and some of my shirts became very red-colored from the soil that's over there, the dust that's red over there. My wife can attest to that. Now, Brother Stevens' vehicle, which has air conditioning, also happens to be 20 years old. It's, it originates from 1999. Anybody here drive a 20-year-old vehicle? I'm just going to drive one, two, three, just a few. Not, not including young brothers, okay? We know the young brothers <laughs> will drive 20-year-old vehicles, okay? <laughs> but generally speaking, we drive, even my vehicle's old, it, but it's only 13 years old. And so, you know, we, we drive these vehicles over here. We don't appreciate what we have, the good roads we have. I showed this vehicle because it's the kind of vehicle they need to have. And what they do is they import them used from overseas. I won't get into all the cost of anything, but I, I, I promised myself I'm going to raise the issue because if anybody needs a vehicle, Brother Stephen needs a vehicle, Brother Fred needs a vehicle. You heard about Brother Fred. If anybody ever where, somewhere gets a burden to get these brothers a vehicle, you have my blessings. That's all I'm going to say about that. Some of our burden has been for shelters for these people, people that have been uh, expelled from their buildings that they have put efforts into as they have received the word of the hour. The denominations have said you can no longer have access to these buildings that we have title to. The denominations have held the title. And so the, often the majority, sometimes the entire congregation is, they, is sent out from a church, including the pastor, and, and they're left without anything. And so one of the things that, uh, one of the urgent things that we're doing for some of them, they, they are able to obtain places to rent, maybe meeting a building. Some of them have nothing. And so they need a piece of land. We just, I just actually okayed the purchase of this land right here, which the brothers went to. This is a, I can't remember the size of it. I'm thinking about a third of an acre. If any brothers remember, 50 by 100 meters, whatever that equates to in land. 50 by 100 meters. Now, if we had 50 by 100 meters in Cloverdale, that'd be a fairly hefty price. This was $1,500. Amen. So for that, a congregation in a very strategic area has a place to start with something. And I'll show you the next step. Here's a church building in progress. Four sticks. And a tarp attached to the top when they meet together. And that's what we call a shelter over there. For a congregation, I don't know, that might be 50 or 100 people there. 75 maybe. And they've got a piece of land. They already had this piece of land. And so they, they bought this piece of land and, and they've got some sticks. And we've got actually 10 congregations identified for poles and tarps immediately, uh, that we're going to be sending over there. We just, one of the things that we did on this trip, and I'm just sharing with you some of the details so you can appreciate where your funds are going. And, you can also pray that God will bless these people and open the most urgent needs 
This isn't about getting everybody a church building or getting everybody a piece of land. This is about getting the word into their hands. But there's sometimes that you just got to do something for a congregation that has nothing. And they're meeting out under the open sky, 30, 40 degrees, the sun is beating down on them. Or a, a rainy season, the rains are coming through and they've got no shelter, not even a tarp over their heads. Something needs to be done for them. And so we put mechanisms in place. And I, I got myself two brothers. One of them is Brother James the Engineer, who are going to uh, uh, assist me in... Uh, purchasing the necessary emergency shelters for 10 groups that are needing a place, uh, needing rather some tarps over their head, a few poles like this, uh, maybe some cross poles that'll brace it up and be able to put a roof over their heads at least to shelter them from the elements. So pray for that, would you? That God will bless that. I, I won't tell you there's, there's well over 40, 50 groups that are looking to have some sort of help for some sort of building. And unless God moves miraculously. I told them. I says I've never met a message believer that's a billionaire. And uh, I says I don't know where that kind of money comes from. But I know a God that can do anything. Amen. Amen. This is another church that the brothers visited. This is Brother Elijah Diogo. This is church, a building that we have been receiving funds for a couple years. In trickles since uh, since actually 2013. And, uh, and so, you know, that we'll get a little bit of funds in for them and we'll send it over and they'll kind of move into the next stage. And now they're preparing and going to be putting the roof on their building that makes it habitable. And so once they got the roof on their building, they'll be moving into it right away. And we expect that to happen this year. Uh, there you can see, if you look closely, uh, all out of all the people there, there's one way in the back there with light skin. And uh, visiting the the uh, building there. This is Brother Elijah Diogo with our two recording angels. And uh, so they were recording and documenting the trip. And I asked them for specifics and certain things that I wanted. And they just went with the brothers and traveled around. I'll say these two young brothers did great. You know, they... They they just kind of slid into the background, followed instructions, did what needed to be done. We only had a limited amount of time and because they had to head back to their jobs when I headed over to Ethiopia. And God bless them for taking time for to come and do a service for the Lord. So the brothers uh, talked about the meeting at Brother Stephen's. This is Brother Stephen of Bally's church. I think... Uh, uh, you can squeeze maybe 400 people into the building, maybe. Uh, if you sit African style, I guess, men on one side, women on the other, very, very close together. And uh, we just had a wonderful time on Sunday. And, and as you heard, had meetings and, and they put up tents on the outside and filled those tents up with people and chairs. And they, they rented a thousand chairs. And uh, I asked Brother Stephen, please keep it to about a thousand. And because I didn't want to spend, I guess, I don't think I'm part Scottish, but uh, I, I, I'm a little cheap sometimes, too. And so I, I didn't want to spend the Lord's money on anything that was unnecessary. You understand what I'm saying? If it's necessary, that's great. And so I said, try and keep it down uh, to a thousand. But, you know, once you let out the invitation and people start to come, a thousand becomes fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred becomes two thousand and. 
the tent filled up, the thousand chairs filled up. They had to rent 300 more chairs and, and, uh, those all filled up and there was people everywhere under every nook and cranny, little chairs under trees, every place people could find shade. You'll find people, many of them standing because these people are starving and God allowed them to hunger for a purpose. I'll come to that purpose in just just a moment here. And so uh they just between the meetings as the brother someone already mentioned there was a hundred about 150 baptisms. They asked me, brother Tim, do you want to baptize the the people between the services? I says, no, I'll just focus on the preaching. You brothers baptize them and I didn't think I'd have any energy left, but they were just lined up for baptism. And then at the end of the second meetings, they just began to line up for prayer. And we had a prayer line that seemed to never end. And it just went on and on and on. And, you know, God bless them. I, I just believe that God did something for them. And that we give God all the glory for everything good that was done on that trip. We give God the glory. I want to just mention briefly Ethiopia before we turn back to the word. Uh, the brothers went home. I went over to Ethiopia to spend a few days with the believers there. The work in Ethiopia is continuing and expanding as we, uh, as you can see on the website, uh, that there's a new work in the city of Awasa. And, uh, there, so this is the second group that is gathering regularly now in Ethiopia as the word has gone out. And now there's believers scattered throughout the country that have believed the message. But now this is the second group that is getting together every week. And and some of these believers attended the service in Addis Ababa when I was there. You see the young men uh, on the left-hand side of the picture here standing at the front. They are, uh, they are from Hawassa. They were only baptized a week before this service. And so I think a week or two weeks before this service. And so God bless them. As they're beginning to embrace the Word of God. And as God is beginning to reveal Himself to them, has revealed Himself, but continues to unfold His Word to them personally. This is Brother Mogus, who I keep uh, reminding you of. Remember him in prayer. He's the one really that's on the ground. His brother Basabozi is not able anymore to live in Ethiopia. But he goes back once in a while to encourage the people there. He's in Ethiopia right now. And so, uh, but remember Brother Mogus, who leads the group in the absence of Brother Basabozi, took over some toner uh, for the print station in Ethiopia. Uh, print stations and printing of individual books has become a, a, a real issue and because there's such a need for books. And so we, we want to get the cost down. Pray for us. We have a good handle on printing larger books. We do it in China and we ship it into the country. But for smaller books, individual books, print stations, toner is quite expensive in third world countries. Getting it in, making sure that it works, all of that kind of thing. So you just remember us in prayers. We're working through different um, trials, different projects to try and get this nailed down so that we can get a steady stream of books into the hands of the people. Brother Matthew knows what I'm talking about. You know, it's, it's he, he told me, Got a, we were just uh, texting back and forth. He says, it's amazing how many books go off the back table here. And he says, they're just there and people take them and read them. That's what they're for. 
That's the word of life. And uh, uh, we want to get that into the people's hands. And so we, the purpose of this trip was not just preaching. We had some wonderful services. But it was also to put mechanisms in place for translation, for printing, and for meeting some of the, uh, we'll call them temporal needs of the congregation. And by God's grace, we made great progress. And so remember that in prayer, if you would. Here we are in Ethiopia, um, breaking bread together. This is uh, myself, uh, Brother Mogus, Brother Asigid, and Brother Gurme. You might not recognize us there, but everybody's taking the injera. Injera is the Ethiopian bread. And so when we say bread of life, that's what they call injera. It's a different kind of bread. It's not for everybody. Uh, takes a little bit of getting used to. And it's good to mix it with something else. <laughs> but we're, we enjoyed our fellowship and time together and breaking bread together. I just got a note from Brother Busabozi this morning. He just, he just went back uh, Friday night, this past Friday night, because on Saturday... They had a wedding. And, uh, and so there they, they, this is brother Motumu, Motuma and sister Nardos. And, uh, she's related to another, uh, couple that had come into the message previously. And her brother-in-law is, a, is now become a main translator there in Ethiopia in the national language. And they had a gathering of about 200 people. And all of those people got tracks. They didn't just get natural injera, they got spiritual injera. And so, uh, uh, so the work continues on in Ethiopia. And, uh, I want to just say one more thing, and that's the end of the slides, is that we have, as we mentioned, we were putting a documentary together for Uganda. Part one of the documentary, as of right now, is available on the website to watch. And so when you go home, you can watch part one of the Uganda uh, Awakening documentary. I know you'll enjoy it. I've enjoyed it, and uh, I've watched it several times as Brother Mark has labored to help put the, the thought together of what's happening over there in Uganda. Amen. So that's the report on missions. People that are hungry for the Word of God. You know, when Jesus came out of the wilderness after 40 days fasting, the Bible said, then he hungered. And the devil came to him, tempting him, said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus referred back to the scripture. Is that right? He said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. Amen. So Jesus now took the devil back and defeated the devil in the three temptations by it is written or by the word of God. Amen. Amen. And so we realize now that, that when Jesus referred back to the scriptures that we read in that they, they, the people that were coming out of Egypt, God knew they were going to run out of food. 
God knew that what they had provided for themselves would not sustain them. And that he would have to provide something that would be supernatural. That every day that they would have to gather and, 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 and on Saturday they would gather twice as much because on Sunday they're, I have it backwards, on Friday they would gather twice as much as on Saturday or the Sabbath they would not be allowed to gather. And so they, they, uh, uh, they were commissioned and Moses now, as they're coming now into the promised land, Moses now brings their memory back to this. Now remember, they've been doing this now for 40 years. This now had become their custom. Every morning we gather manna. But when it first came into existence, Moses reminded them, he says, you did not, uh, he suffered, he humbled you and suffered you to get hungry and fed you with manna which you knew not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you to know something, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, I just said all that to say this. God did not allow them to take manna. He did not bring manna in when they were not hungry. Is that right? He says, first, the first prerequisite was you must go hungry. Because the food that I'm going to give you is not like the food you're used to. This is a good subject for Mother's Day. You know, mothers know when children are not hungry. It's, I don't like that. I don't want that. Come on, mothers. Right? The little children, you know, they, they have a little taste that they want. But when they're hungry, it's different. Just give me some food. It doesn't matter what it is. You want some of this? Sure, I'll have some of that. You want some of that? Sure, I'll have some of that. Because they're hungry. And so that's the way God dealt with Israel. He says he humbled you and allowed you to go hungry because the food that he's going to introduce to you is different from what you grew up eating. Is that right? I'm coming to a point here. It was a different food. It was something that was separate from what they had been, uh, what they had been used to now. Now let's take it up to John chapter six because Jesus said in John chapter six, he says, Moses gave you manna in the wilderness, but Moses actually didn't give it to you. God gave it to you. He, and then Jesus said, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. Amen. Now, if you take it back to what Moses spoke about him, Jesus said, if any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then so Jesus goes on as the Jews begin to ask themselves a question. Now, he says, they say, well, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? How can this man do this? And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. All right? Now he's hearkening back to a time with Moses, that Moses was giving them word that they were not to mix with their spiritual or with their present diet. God says, I'm going to do away with your existing diet. I'm going to give you a new diet. All right. Now, Jesus said, I was the manna that was sent to do away with the previous diet and give you a new diet. 
And unless you eat this new diet, you have no life. All right. Now, now I'm going to, I'm going to just come to something very specifically here. Here's the Old Testament right here on this side. I'll just curl up the New Testament. Here's the Old Testament right here. They had this. Right? We say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so they had this book. The 5,000 had this book. The rabbis had this book. The Pharisees had this book. The Sadducees had this book. It might not have been in this form. It might have been in the form of scrolls, but they had what was written here. Is that right? Then they said to Jesus, we have Moses. That's all right. And nobody could deny that Moses received from God. Is that right? And nobody could say, this is not Moses. And so as the 5,000 walked away with, away from him, and, and I'll say even the 70 began to walk away as Jesus began to say, and never explained it, Brother Branham, and you might be interested to know, Brother Branham never began to go into this in great detail until after the seals were open. And that's significant as we come to this service tonight. Because he, he, he says, Jesus never explained it. He said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And the 70 walked away. Where were they going? They were going back to the ones that said, we have Moses. We have the Bible. We don't need this message. We have the Bible. Is that what they say? That's what they say today even. Hello? They say, well, we don't need your message. We have the Bible. And so as they begin to leave Jesus now in the same chapter, John chapter 6, he turns to the 12 and he says, will you also go? And Peter says, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Now, just a minute. Just a minute. They had Moses. They had the Bible. Weren't those the words of eternal life? Now I've got you. Think about it. Say, well, the Bible is the absolute. And the Bible is the absolute. And they had their Bibles. And they had their books. And they had their teaching. And they had their scriptures. And they could recite it. And they could recite every law. And they could recite every commandment. And yet the disciples had a revelation. Peter had a revelation. You alone have the words of eternal life. Now Peter didn't use the words alone. But that's implied by the previous statement when he says, To whom would we go? To whom would we go? There's nobody else that has the words of eternal life. But they got Bibles. Hello? They got Bibles, but they did not have the message of the hour. And without the message of the hour, the Bible is not words of eternal life. And people will walk away from the message of the hour. And they say, oh, we don't need William Branham. We don't need the message. I'll tell you what. If you don't eat this bread, you have no life in you. Jesus said, except you eat my flesh, except you drink my blood, you have no life in you at all. Oh, we have the Bible. I'm going to drive this home. We have the Bible. You can see why God made this a theme in Uganda. 
because they were all coming out of denominations who say, we have the Bible. We have the Bible. And I just kept reminding them they had the Bible. The Pharisees say, we have Moses. We're Moses disciples. They said, they said to the man born blind, John chapter nine, I think it is. They said, we, as for this man, we don't know where he's from. We don't know what he's about. We think he's of the devil. We got nothing. And then, and they said, well, you can be his disciple. We're Moses disciples. And the man that was born blind was amazed at them. He said, the vindication that has happened before your eyes in this day ought to tell you this man has the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You alone have the words of eternal life. Yes, he was quoting the same Bible they were quoting. He was reading from the same scripture they were reading from. And to him it was life. To those that heard him it was life. But to them it was nothing. As he said, by your traditions you make the word of God of no effect. You see, you cannot get... You cannot have words of eternal life unless God reveals himself to you personally. You can only get life out of the Word through Jesus Christ. You can't get it by learning it. You can't get it by college. You can't get it by studying alone. You can't get it by your own understanding. It must be Christ revealed to you personally. That alone makes the Word of God an absolute. Oh, I wish I could talk. Oh, actually, I know they're listening. These ones that have left and said, oh, you know what? We got the Bible. Yeah, well, we got the words of eternal life. That's the way it is, folks. Every age, that's the way it is. You know, the woman at the well, God suffered her to hunger. She was starving spiritually. She was dying inside. She couldn't find sustenance for her soul. This church says, our church says, your church says, the Samaritans say, the Jews say, this, that, the other. Everyone's got a saying. Everyone's got words, but none of them are words of eternal life. But he, the word of eternal life, come to her there at the well and God come down to her personally with the word of eternal life. Oh, Lord, help me to preach this like we did in Uganda. These brothers are witnesses of it. I'll tell you what. Those people knew what I was talking about. Listen, don't go off somewhere. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not here to be an apologetic for the message. I'm here to tell you this alone has the word of eternal life. Say the Bible. It's not just the Bible. God makes the Bible come alive in every age. God made the Bible come alive to Martin Luther. The saint, where did he get the Bible? He got the Bible from the Catholic Church. He translated it into the German language. They all had the Bible. The Bible was in their library. The monks read the Bible. The teachers read the Bible. Everybody read the Bible. But the light came for the hour. And the just shall live by faith. And he began to preach it. A man that had a makeup that you probably wouldn't enjoy. But God prepared him for that season. 
It had to be somebody that was rugged, somebody that was straight, someone that was dynamic, someone that would be fearless, someone that would be super intelligent, someone that would knew exactly where the Catholic Church stood. And he began to preach, it's not indulgences. It's not papal decrees. It's faith alone, word alone, grace alone. And people begin to recognize this man alone has the word of eternal life. Oh, we got the Bible. We'll debate the Bible. And we bring him to the diet of worms. There was a bunch of worms that gathered there. And... Then we'll bring him to this diet over here, the diet or whatever they call it. And we'll bring him into this council and we'll bring, examine him and we'll test him out. And, and we'll, we'll try and bring uh, uh, arguments against him by great theologians. And say, well, you shouldn't break up the church. You shouldn't be speak against the Pope. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Doesn't matter what he shouldn't do. He had the words of eternal life. And they had been revealed to him. And he couldn't help but preach them. Hallelujah. John Wesley, a firebrand, plucked from the fire. What did he have? He had the words of eternal life. Amen. It wasn't just the Church of England or this group or that group. No, something was moving in his heart. I realize these men weren't alone. There were others that caught the words of eternal life. But unless you have the message of the hour... This is not life. Oh my. Some people have a hard time swallowing that. Well, you know, the Bible says. Yeah, the Bible has always said that. But it takes the light of the hour to make it a manifestation in the day that you're living in. You know, we could talk about Zacchaeus. Who was Zacchaeus? He was living right there amongst the Jews. His wife was a believer, we understand. And there was many believers around him. But one day, the word of eternal life came by his way. I'm coming to your house for lunch. I'm coming to your house today to eat. But really, Zacchaeus, you're the one that's going to eat. Because when you start to digest what I'm going to tell you, It's going to change your life because this word of eternal life looses deliverance. The deliverance that is in this Bible, this word of eternal life looses salvation. That's already contained in the Bible. This word of eternal life loosens mysteries that are hidden right in within the pages of this book. It looses, as we heard this morning, the realities of inheritance. All that Adam lost being restored back to the church in the last days. It takes the word of eternal life to make that a reality. Not a studying of the Bible. Are you with me tonight? It takes a a quickening of the words of eternal life to make that real to the individual. That is more than just a Bible. I said anybody that walks away from Jesus... And says, I'm just going to stick with the Bible. You've walked away from eternal life. Oh, but they said, I'm going to stick with the Bible. You've walked away from eternal life. 
Jesus alone had the word of eternal life. It's the same in every hour when they reject the light of the hour. Even if they say, I'm just going to stay with the Bible. You have rejected eternal life. Oh my, brother Tim, that's strong. Listen, I can't see it any other way now. God dealt with me on this while I was in Africa. And dealing with these people, I'll tell you what, there is no other way of life. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But we have Moses. You have nothing. If you'd have believed Moses, you'd have believed me. The man born blind could see that the word that they thought were life were actually lifeless. But this man had something they didn't have. And it loosed a power that they knew nothing of. Brother Brown says in the message leadership, last message he preaches, he says, any message that's come in, a genuine born message of God is different from the old trend. When a divine healing went forth not long ago, did you notice how the impersonators followed it? See, and every one of them went right into them organizations staying there. Does anyone know that there had to be a message follow that? See, he's talking about the revival that broke out in America. We're talking about Uganda in this day. He's talking about America back there. He says a revival broke out and it came under the, under the anointing of divine healing or the move of divine healing. He says, but there had to be a message follow that. People tried to impersonate the same manifestations, but they didn't have the same message. And so it went right back into organization. He says, does anybody know there has to be a, there had to be a message? Follow that. Why? God don't entertain us. I prayed about this today, this weekend as I was preparing. I thought, Lord, don't leave us here till services just become an entertainment. Don't leave us to come to church and just listen to gifted men that are preachers and, and able to bring the anointing of God just for entertainment. Lord, let it deal with our souls and take us to the depths of our being until we stand like Luther stood in this age and says, I cannot recant. I will not recant. I cannot turn back. Listen, if uh, Brother Thomas said it many times. If anybody can turn back from the message, you might as well turn back. We're not trying to scare people away or tell you it's not important. Listen, I would rather you sat in here under the auspices of the word that's being preached. But if you can turn back, it shows you never were quickened. It never became words of eternal life to you. As Peter said, where would we go? If, if you could show me another place that have words of eternal life, we might go there. But where would we go? There's nowhere else to go. Where would I go? Oh, you mean to say, Brother Tim, you'll stick with men that are imperfect? Yeah, because the God that behind them is perfect. Well, you you stick with men that make mistakes. I guess if I make mistakes, make mistakes. I made a mistake. 
If I, if I make mistakes, if I, if I do things that are human sometimes, you know what that shows? It shows I'm human. And you know what? I'm, I'm apt to believe that each one of you are human. But behind it all is words of eternal life. Behind it all is attributes of God, as you heard this morning. Something that came out of eternity that we don't even understand fully ourselves. But God came to tear the cover off of it in this hour. God came to reveal the mystery of it, that in the day that you're living in, you would be able to partake of a food that no other age has been able to partake of. And God had to allow it to come to a day of famine so that we could go hungry. And some of you maybe were around the message and don't even, maybe those of you that were raised in the message don't even realize what hunger is. This man knows what hunger is. You were raised in the message. This man knows what hunger is. I know what hunger was. I know it is to to be over here in the streets of New Westminster and say, God, where are you? I believe you are, but where are you? How do I find you? I didn't find him there. God had to take a certain circumstance, take me out to uh, raise me up in the Royal Bank of Canada and promote me to a certain position and take me out into a little town in the middle of the Okanagan, in the middle of nowhere. It's just a, if you drove through it, you wouldn't even know you're in a town. But I was there and Brother Mark was there. And there I heard words of eternal life. I had already read my Bible. But now I heard a message that made this the word of eternal life. And it changed my life. Separated me from the things of the world. Loose the delivering power of God. Because I read my Bible. Hope this is okay tonight. I read my Bible and I said, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I believe the Bible. How come I can't live an overcoming life? Maybe you've never asked yourself that. I asked myself that. Uh I thought to myself when I was young, 18, 19, 20 years old, 21 years old, decided might as well not even bother going to church. It's not doing anything for my life. 22 years old, God had allowed me to suffer hunger. So that in the last days, I would be hungry. For truth, because it takes a predestinated seed to hunger. And that there would be a hunger in my life until I would say, where is God? So that God could come to me and say, take the book and eat the book. Amen. Not just words of eternal life, but now in Revelation chapter 10, the mighty angel descends now with the book open. What book? The Lamb's book of life. The words of eternal life revealed through the mouth of a prophet in this age. Oh, do we need that? The angel said to the the angel said to John, go to that angel, Christ, the one that has the book in his hand and take the book. Go to Christ and get that book. We already had the Bible, but you need that book. We already had the scriptures, but we need that book. 
What is that book? That book is this book revealed. The mysteries that were hidden throughout the ages that even John was not allowed to write as the seven thunders uttered their voices. But John went and took the book and he says, he went to him and says, now give me the book. And it's not good enough, John, that you just have the book. Now, John, you take the book and you eat the book. But it's got to come at a time when you're hungry. Because when you eat this book, it might be sweet in your mouth. But I'll tell you what, it'll be bitter. Because it's a message you've never heard before. Amen. It's truths that you've never digested before. It's things that were hidden down through the ages. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. When he shall begin to sound, this mystery will become a diet in the church. Well, I can tell we're not in Uganda. I'm not being hard on you. I won't tell you what they were like when we got to this point. You'll love to go there. To accept their invitation by the time you enjoy it. It's good preaching over there. It's easy to preach over there. Because they haven't heard everything. You've had such rich food. You've had such a wonderful diet. That you don't even understand what hunger is. You know, every service you go to, you're going to get something. You're a blessed people. God bless you, sisters, for singing that. You're a blessed people. Not just to gather together and say, oh, well, we have God and we serve God and we're saved. No, it's more than that. You have brothers that bring out the delicacies of the Word. The mysteries. You have a pastor that doesn't just sit back. (laughs) Praise the Lord. He was preaching to us before the service. (laughs) We were sitting in the office and he had the quotes. (laughs) Excuse me for telling on your brother Ed. You know, he was sitting back. You ever thought about this, brothers? He doesn't sit at home. He's 84 years old. He doesn't just sit at home and do nothing. He's in the Word. He's looking to the Lord. He's inspired. If he had the strength, he'd be standing here tonight, not me. And I'd be happy for that. And I think you would too. But what is it? It's a diet that we have. And the angel said to John, Now this this message that I'm sending in the last days, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, all the mystery shall be finished. This message that I'm sending is not just to sit on the shelves. John, this is a diet that must be eaten. For unless you eat this book, you have no life in you. Amen. Amen, brother Tim. I might as well amen myself. Nobody else is going to. Glory to God. Why? Because God sent it to you as a tie. He says, I know you won't like it sometimes. I know it'll be bitter in your belly sometimes. I know it won't taste good or it might taste good all the time, but it'll produce an effect within your life that you'll go, why am I still in this message? But I'll tell you what, it's what you need for eternal life. 
I am sending the words into the last day of eternal life. These are the words that loose the power of the blood. Because the power of the blood is hidden in the word. And until revelation comes, the power of the blood is powerless. But when the revelation comes, it loses the power of the blood to the individual that causes your body to line up with this word. Oh, I need healing, Brother Tim. Eat the book. Oh, I need deliverance, Brother Tim. Eat the book. I need peace, Brother Tim. Eat the book. I need this in my life. I need help. I need wisdom. Eat the book. Well, I I need more revelation. Eat the book. Are you getting tired of me saying it yet? Amen. Whatever you have need of, it's in the book. It's not just to be read, it's to be digested. It's to become a part of you. Until, as we heard, Jesus becomes reflected through you. Because he is that book. Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Listen, I'm not, I don't want to be dogmatic, theological-matic, instamatic, or any other kind of matic. But let me say it this way. There's lots of people that want to say, well, you know, uh, we've always had the Bible. And that's true. We've always had, uh, you know, the truths contained in the Bible. And what we, and even we say what Brother Branham preached was in the Bible. That's true. But Jesus, when he came, did not buy billboards all over the world and say, I, the Messiah, have arrived. It was hidden from the eyes of the wise and prudent and revealed, revealed unto babes such as will learn. God revealing his mystery that's for that hour in the hour that it's revealed that they might receive the words of eternal life. And the rest of the world... They have the same book. They can read it from Genesis to Revelation. They study it in their Bible schools. They're taught it. They learn it. They hear it. It's on radio programs. It's everywhere all over the world. It's translated into so many different languages. And that's the amazing thing. They had the Bible in the Lugandan language. Matter of fact, they have two or three versions of the Bible in their language in Luganda. Two or three versions of the Bible in their language. But then in 2013, a radio broadcast started. And they begin to hear the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. Are we catching it tonight? Is it real to us tonight? It's not another message. It's not another idea. It's not just a good way to explain the Bible. It's not, it's not just the elements of the Bible explained. Oh God. It's the words of eternal life. That without this message, I'll just say it the way that says in the Bible, without this message, there's no way, there's no other form of eternal life in this age. Say, oh, brother Tim, the foolish virgin will be saved. Yeah, they'll be granted eternal life at that time. Not now. But though there'll be those that were good to the bride. Yeah, they'll be granted eternal life. At that time. 
at the white throne judgment. There'll be many that will be given eternal life at that time. There'll be those that, that never heard the words of eternal life, but they lived by whatever truth they had or portion of truth that they had. And God will uh, account it to them at the white throne judgment and they'll be, they'll be, some of them will receive eternal life at that time. But you're not looking to that time because you're called to this time. And to you, it's no different than the disciples hearing the words of Jesus as people begin to leave and say, we got the Bible. We got Moses. We got all these sayings. And Peter said, I'm not going anywhere. I have no interest in going. There's nowhere else that where I can find the word of eternal life. Musicians can come. The angel, when John took the book, did not say, now take this book and mix it into your diet. There's no other, nothing else mentioned for eating. No, John, take this book that the mysteries have been unveiled, that the seals have been broken from. There's a reason the seals were broken, and the reason they're broken is so you can eat the book. No other diet, John. There's no other else to happen in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel. So in the seventh church age, in this age that we're living in, under the message of this hour, there's nothing else that is said to be eaten, but you eat this book. You eat the book that's been revealed. You eat the light of the word that has come in this day. As Jesus said, my flesh and my blood. He didn't say, oh, you know, they said, well, we have Moses. I keep going back to this. We have Moses. He didn't say, oh, you have my flesh and you have my blood. No, he said, eat my flesh. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That alone in his hand is the word of eternal life. He alone is the giver of it. And he chooses the message, chooses He predestinated the message to every age. And he knew you'd be here. And I would be here. And he has one statement. Eat the book. Is that too strong? No. As Jesus never explained it to them, eat my flesh, drink my blood, or you have no life. There's nothing else for you to do. You go back to your churches, go back to your synagogues, walk away, turn away from me, do all that you want to do. But I'll tell you, if you don't eat my flesh, if you don't drink my blood, you are condemned. And I'll say it the way the angel said it to John. Said, now, John, you go to that book that's open and whatever it takes, 
you get that book. And when you get that book, you'll be instructed what to do with the book. Eat the book. Or you have no life in you. Eat the book. Let's bow our heads together. When the angel said to John, now go get that book. John went to the angel, which was Christ, and said, give me the book. I wonder if there would be even one person here that would want to raise their hand in signification to God and say, Lord, give me the book. Give me the book. I must have it at all cost. I don't want to be found in this seventh age without that book. So well, what kind of a book is it? There's books out on the table, but it's not the paper that they're written on. It's not, it's not, you know, a certain title or a certain message or a certain series of messages. The book is Him. Within the pages of this message, within the voice of this message, there's a voice that is the voice of Christ. Unless you receive those words, you have no life in you. It's sent to this age for life for this age. Let's just say, Lord, give me that book. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're here tonight in your presence, O oh God. This is really a sober service, O oh God. This is a service of self-examination, Lord, that I don't want to be in an age where we got our noses stuck in some electronic device. Lifeless. That if we're not careful, we'll open up the pit of hell. And take us places that we don't want to go. But Lord, you sent a message, as we heard this morning, to take us back to the inheritance of Adam. To loose in our life all that Adam lost. To loose healing and loose peace and loose deliverance and loose salvation. And bring the power of the blood into full effect in each and every life. There's no other message, Lord. I'm not saying it because I'm a part of this message. I'm saying it because I'm like Peter. Where else would I go? There's nowhere else that has the word of eternal life. You sent a prophet. You vindicated the message. You sent a supernatural ministry that service after service till even those that move in the charismatic realms in this day say there never was a ministry like it. Pointing back to your servant's ministry. But as Brother Branham said, Lord, it wasn't just the healings. There had to be a message follow it. There had to be a truth that was to be eaten. Because you are the way. You are the truth. And you are the life. Hear the cry of our hearts, Lord, as we go home. As we even depart the service tonight, as we... Go on our ways in the days ahead and prepare even for the coming meetings with Brother Aaron. Lord, give us the book. Lord, give us the appetite for the book.
Let us not be like Israel in the wilderness. They said, oh, we loathe this light bread or we loathe this food. Lord, this is food. This is life. This is the way. This is the truth. Not because I say so, but because you have vindicated it so, God. Lord, if there be somebody here tonight that's bound by the darkness of hell, trying to hold them away from the truth, Lord, may you break the powers of darkness even now, Lord. Lord, may you move on the scene in every life and bring deliverance, Lord. Bring powers into homes, oh God, until the word goes forth in power and demonstration, until they read even a sentence or hear a message from your prophet, and they say, something happened in my life. Something changed. Something strengthened me. Something made me anew. Lord, we give ourselves to you. We ask. Lord, that you'll just take our lives into your hands. Feed us with that book, Lord. And make it life within our lives, oh God, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. I wonder if we could sing that song, How Great Is Our God, um, 1257. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. Like you heard from these young brothers tonight. They went there. I tried to tell them before they went. The brothers that you're going to meet are the cream of the crop. The ones that you're going to be with are men that God is using in this hour in an extraordinary way. We need to have respects to that. I have, I don't go over there as though I'm somebody and try and tell them. Matter of fact, I'll just tell you this now. They said, that's what we appreciate you about, about you, brother Tim, is you don't come over and tell us what to do. How can I tell them what to do? They're the ones God's using. If I tell them what to do, I'll mess the whole thing up. I just try to support what God's doing and respect and learn and, and appreciate how great is our God. Stand in the midst of a move of God. Listen, it's no different than the first time I came into this church. It wasn't here, it was the log church. Sister Ruth remembers, I think I sat in the same row as her in my first service. It was right at the back in the middle. They had two aisles, no middle aisle. Right in the back, right in the middle, probably about two rows from the back. I cried like a baby the whole service. What kind of a place have I come into? The people were no different than you. Was no different than the atmosphere that we've become used to here. Do you appreciate the God that is in your midst? What's happening in Uganda is the same thing that happened in your life. What's happening all over the world? It's people that heard the words of eternal life and said, give me the book. I want to eat the book. They're dying for, they're, they're crying out for more message books over there. We're doing everything that we can. I might as well tell you, you know, you see the numbers on the backboard. I've calculated it out. There's $50,000 going to printers in these coming weeks. Church age books. 
Seals books, Hebrews books, individual books, Lugandan, English. What are we doing? We're just feeding the fire. We're just feeding the fire because there's souls crying out, give me the book. Hallelujah. That's your God. That's my God. That's the God that's here. Don't get, don't get hardened. I'm sorry to just go on and on, but don't get hardened by this age. That's my prayer for myself. Lord, don't let me get hardened by this age. Don't let me get distracted in Laodicea by all of the things that the devil will flash before our eyes. Young men, I know what it's like. Some of you will like video games and some of you will like sports and some of you will like other things and you sisters, all of the fashions and all of the things you can look at on the internet and oh, this is nice and all that is nice and everything, some nice little book or something. Don't get caught up in it. Be enthused, be impressed with the majesty that is in your midst. Hallelujah. This is our God. He's God. There's nobody like Him. The splendor of a king. Brother Ryan, help me sing it. The splendor. Yes, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves to you.
God. Hallelujah. Majesty and glory and honor. How great is our God. Worthy of all praise. Worthy of all glory. Worthy of all majesty. How great thou art, Lord. Oh, we bless you, O God. We bless you, O God. We bless you, Lord. I can't get out of my mind. What is that special you sang this morning? What? Magnify the Lord with me. I was back there just before the service. And I thought, I need a song that says magnify the Lord. I wasn't here when you were singing it this morning. And and I thought, well, here's a song. In the, in the, it was the words were in the machine. And Psalms 34. And I thought... We need to sing that again. Would that be all right? If you sang that this morning, if you were in the special form, why don't you just quickly come up here and sing that again? I heard it was great. I was helping minister to somebody, and this morning I wasn't able to be in here listening, never heard anything about it. But then I got listening to these words, got thinking about this word, oh, I just want to magnify the Lord. I just want to magnify the Lord. And Oh, if we could do Let's sing this together as they're getting ready. How great is our God. Oh, sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Sing that one more time together. tell you to sit down or not. You can sit down, you can stand up, you can dance, you can shout, you can do whatever you want. They're going to sing. Amen. Surrounds his sin. 
Magnify the Lord with me. Let's sing that chorus together. Let's all stand. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Your fathers didn't know this diet. Your grandfathers didn't know this diet. But this is your diet. This is your book. This is your word. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Amen. I couldn't do anything else but ask the pastor to come and dismiss us in a word of prayer. Brother Bisco, would that be all right? magnify your name. We pray that our praise will be acceptable in your sight, O God. 
we realize our weaknesses and frailties but we realize your greatness you sent this word and you have sent this message you sent a quickening power oh God you have sent the dynamics of this word Father it's not something we have to create but it's something you have sent there was nothing any man could do to raise the resur- bring the resurrection of Jesus Christ you stirred that body you brought him out of the tomb and what a resurrection this is Oh, God, we thank you for the people of the congregation that have experienced this resurrection, uh, something quickening. Oh, God, that the young people are singing about. We have come here to magnify you because there's no one like our God. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. We pray that the people will go to their places, their homes, their rooms. Father, with just not only a bubbling, but we pray that it will be a deep, deep work branding their minds and branding their souls, oh God. That they they will not be able to escape it, oh God. Throughout the week, may their mouths be opened and their hearts filled with praise. We thank you for the word tonight, Lord. We thank you for the message this morning, oh God. How it prepared us and made us hungry, oh God. We have been hungrying, oh God, for your word. And we know it lays there, Father. We are so moved and activated by it. We pray, oh God, You will use us in this late, late hour. In the name of Jesus Christ, we refuse and resist every attempt of the enemy to bring the world amongst us and to captivate our minds. We have set ourselves aside, O God, for the reality of your word. We pray that you will bless it, O God, the work whether it's in Uganda or other parts of the Africa, China, the Eastern Asian countries. Oh, God, use our brothers, we pray. Use our brothers in the Philippines, oh, God, to take the word and reveal the word. I pray you'll bless our brother Ernie Villanueva, oh, God. Bless all who... Witness and testify of your great grace and goodness to us. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you will bless the distribution of the message uh, to the hungry, to their souls, O God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray you will send us to our homes rejoicing, talking about the word that's unfolding to us. And, uh, Lord, let the Holy Ghost come upon each one, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we present ourselves before you. Your grace be upon us this week, Lord. 
We're praying now for the meetings this week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, God, I pray you will loose the word in the mouth of our brother Aaron McGarry, oh, God. And bless the people as they hunger and prepare themselves in Jesus Christ's name. Father, we give ourselves and surrender ourselves, yielding ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. We thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I'd like to sing, of course, I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. Hallelujah. Can you say that? Of course we can. Hallelujah. He redeemed me. declaration and I believe it <laughs> God bless you you're dismissed in Jesus name Hallelujah. and you can go on your way savoring the meal you've just had Hallelujah. amen God bless you you're dismissed <laughs>